And we are back. We've taken a little bit of a break, but I'm back. Coach Manny with the Running Lifestyle Culture Podcast. So this week we have a very special guest. I'm very happy to introduce Tim Brownstone. Tim, how are you? I'm good, thanks Manny. And yourself? Yes, very well. So Tim, as you know, Everybody on my podcast introduces themselves, tells us them, tells us about themselves. So, Tim, tell us about you. So, I am a sadly ex-athlete now, and Manny can see me across the screen. Sadly, a couple more chins than I used to have back when I was a full international athlete. But I, I used to sprint internationally, competed with some horses internationally, and then was a high-level uh, lightweight rower. And nice. during that time, got broken over and over again was a biochemist uh, sort of alongside that academically and uh, I think what we're here to talk about today is that sort of journey of how being broken and finding a way to pick myself back up has transitioned into uh, the product range that we're uh, gonna, and the technology that we're going to be discussing today. Yes so you talked about kind of your athletic prowess let's go into the sprinting what what, what distance did you sprint? So I was a 200-meter sprinter under 18s, and I'd just broken in. I'd done my first international meet out in Oishkirchen in Germany, and then I picked up a knee injury, and sadly that sort of uh, was the end of my sprint career. And I then transitioned more into middle distance because I was doing a sport called pet triathlon, which was running, shooting, swimming, and uh, horse riding. You didn't want just one thing to do. You just needed all four, yeah? Well, <laughs> it, it, it was strange. Like, I... I after I came back from the injury, it was about six months out that it took me to sort of get back on the track again. I just didn't seem to have the explosive dynamism that I had prior to, to the injury. And perhaps if I had Coach Manny in my corner, I would have picked things back up again. But uh, there you go. I, while I was off, I had done more with, with, with that side of with, with the horses and things and picked up that. And uh, for me, it was, uh, you know, I, I was scratching the itch of competition by going out and, and competing hard in, in a sport. It didn't matters to me so much what sport it was at the time yeah I, I i hear you i think injuries are injuries are those things that sometimes they do kind of leave a, a, an effect on you and yeah explosiveness is one of those things that sometimes we can find difficult to to bring back and and for us to to build back um but you know it's it's you, you kind of transitioned and pivoted onto what did you call it pectathlete uh, so it's tetrathlon, so it's only four, so it didn't have the fencing that uh, pentathlon has. Ah, nice. And how did you do doing doing that? How how was how were things? Like how did so you find one, it? So that one, yeah, got up to sort of the international meets, which um, not every country competed. So typically, the internationals would be US, Canada, UK, France, Ireland, Australia, um, and a lot of a lot of the people I used to speak against are now the sort of Olympic pentathletes that we see. Who would have been competing uh, this summer and will hopefully be competing next summer in out in Tokyo? Nice. And when you when you'd finished your your career, what what what, what were you thinking? What what did you want to do? So it sort of transitioned uh, quite nicely because, to be totally honest, I was never you know I, I I got up to that base level of the international meets, but I the reality is I wasn't tall enough and I probably wouldn't have been able to get. That much further with the sprinting um the test i'd reached sort of the, the the top ranks and then as i got to university i um i, I found rowing and uh, found sort of a, a new passion that was 
even more intense than anything I've ever done before. And so I sort of committed myself to that for the, the three years that I was uh, that I was a student. And I, I still row sort of as a, as a casual rower myself now, but the, the new passion that I found during my last year of university was taking that research that I'd started initially in helping myself heal and then had been investigating to spin in sort of some medical applications while I was a, a student. Um, and it was setting up the chimera of the business, which was my way of bringing that technology out and getting into the hands of people it could help. And again, kind of the, the business has allowed me to have that competitive nature sort of, uh, you know, to, to challenge myself and then all the things I would get from competitive sport, I then started getting from, uh, from the business. Sadly, it did mean that I started getting a bit of a, an office belly as well as I was gone from competing, you know, and burning 6,000 plus calories a day to being sat behind a desk. But, um, yeah, that's uh, that's part and parcel of the journey, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you kind of get motivated and, and, and focused. I guess, tell us why you you named Chimera. What's what's the what's behind the name? <laughs> so uh, the, the name Chimera came to me. I was brushing my teeth one evening, looking at my Gillette Fusion Razor, thinking, and I was trying to think of a name for our first pair of leggings, actually, not the company. Um, but I was looking at it, thinking Fusion's a good way to describe that we've got like a blend of technologies in our in our fabrics. Um, but it's, it's taken, and obviously Gillette have sponsorship in the sporting space. There must be a copyright issue. Uh, sorry, trademark issue. And um, there's back in the, some of the like evolutionary biology labs at, at the university I was at Reading, there's a pickled rabbit fish, and the label on it says this is an example of a genetic chimera, which is like when, for example, when a cat has dimorphia, like a brown eye and a blue eye, um, that's a, a blend of different genetics and I thought okay well you know that kind of explains a hybrid to me so changed the spelling to KY because it just looked a bit sleeker and cooler um IR instead of ER for the infrared and uh, then woke up the next morning thinking oh, that sounds you know this that this has stuck with me so I went out and was standing outside like gyms and places in, in, in London and Reading and sort of just asking people hey would you mind telling me you know does this word resonate with you people have no idea what I was asking for but They'd be like, yeah, that sounds cool, or you know, I, you know, and and then it just kind of stuck, so it became the company name, and uh, rather than the pair of leggings. Nice. And it was actually tangible together. So I, you know, I, I was a biochemist. I was an athlete. I thought that this, you know, when I first discovered infrared therapy, I thought, well, that could be useful for athletes, but I know nothing about making clothes or anything, so someone else will do that. Um, and so this was back when I got injured, back when I was sort of 16, 17 and sprinting. Uh, it was a knee injury with my left knee. Left knee. And fast forward five years from that, no one had done what to me felt like a, a good job at bringing that technology into the performance and uh, recovery re- rehab space for, for athletes or for indeed for sort of proper medical applications. Um, my research at the time was into using infrared light to stimulate cell growth. Into sort of large surface area burns, and I I didn't have the cash. I had no idea how I would get the roughly one and a half two million pounds I needed to fund all the clinical research for that. And so I thought to myself, well, no one's done a good job for athletes. How about I start up a sportswear brand using this technology, get the uh, get the tech out there, and it can help athletes, and then we can reinvest the revenue from that into supporting our medical research and uh, 
that's basically exactly what we did. Um, so that that was 2013. For the first sort of six months, it was basically developing the first fabrics, getting some samples sent over. Um, we worked with UK manufacturers, so getting them turned into the first leggings. And you know, I, I had, um, as I said, I, I was rowing while I was at university, so I had sort of the GB rowing squad in, 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 the, in the office, and I was just there with a sewing machine and drawing lines on their legs and sewing until we got what we felt was like a good fit, you know, just quickly, rapidly iterating. Um, then once we got to that point, then it went up to the factory. And like, we made like 10 pairs of leggings. And we launched September 2013. I say we, that was me and the dog. Um, <laughs> we launched September 2013 because we had a bit of publicity uh, from uh, like Sky were doing some university or innovator series where they were looking for sort of new innovators that they'd come and kind of do an interview with. Uh, so I was like, right, well, that's airing on September 1st seems like as good a day as any to to make the website you know and the products available and you know, i woke up the next morning to like emails from saudi arabia saying will i get too hot in your leggings and you know stuff yeah. coming over from america saying you know i can't why aren't you shipping here and i'm, I'm just like wow I've, I've, I literally this is day one and we're already kind of getting this sort of outcry from around the world which was quite cool amazing so to all our listeners if you haven't figured it out yet, Chimera is a product and um, company that makes fabrics and garments. That so, Tim, how does the infrared work? Right. Okay. So our range of infrared literally covers head to toe now, and in terms of how it works, we embed very specifically selected and specifically shaped minerals inside the fibers that make the yarns that make our fabrics and they are broad spectrum absorbers so they capture visible light body heat and they basically convert that through a wavelength conversion into a really targeted region of of infrared light so if someone's using uh, an infrared sauna for example there are two types you've got the ones where they've got basically like red leds where you've got red light and near infrared light and then you have the ceramic ones where it's they're basically like heated tiles and the tiles are what's giving out the infrared. We've taken, in, in essence, we've refined what's in those tiles to cut out all the stuff that doesn't do much for our bodies and really hone in on the stuff that really does. And we've put that inside our fabrics and that's how we achieve the infrared emission. Basically captures the environmental and the waste energy from the body and then puts it back in as a different wavelength to kind of supercharge ourselves. Boom. So, Chimera, I've had the leggings. They're garments which produce infrared, as Tim has explained, taking our waste products and reutilizing them and using that heat against your body. And I'm a, I'm a big advocate of recovery, but I really think recovery needs to be targeted and specific and it has to be... Um, validated so what i think is that you need to stop doing things that sometimes just make you feel better so uh, people who who know me and who are listening they know i'm not a big fan of foam rolling um i I feel like it's uh it's a pastime we use too too often too much too aggressively if i was uh giving some advice out here to to any of the runners listening Please use compression garments. I think they are 
the best way forward. And infrared we know has really useful um, benefits to our physiology and our recovery. Um, and now is the time to hand over to Tim to tell us why infrared can improve our physiology after training training hard i guess if we start with kind of the the individual effect and then maybe we could go into kind of what that means for your listeners themselves yeah so one of the big reactions that occurs when the body's exposed to infrared light is that it activates a molecule called endothelial nitric oxide synthase that's a catalyst that sits in our blood vessels and that converts uh, l-arginine into nitric oxide so especially if you're an endurance athlete, nitrous oxide is a huge thing right now. You've got people necking like beetroot juice like crazy. Personally, I hate that stuff. I'd much prefer just put on one of our hoodies and get the same benefits. Um, but nitrous oxide is it's a bit of a wonder molecule. So it's a vasodilator. It opens up our blood vessels and allows more blood to flow in and out of the muscles. It's important to remember that it's two-way. It's not just bringing more into the exposed environment, but it's allowing the waste products to be removed quicker. It's also a muscle relaxant. Um, so we see a improved uh, rate of return to sort of optimum muscle tone when you sort of you have that nitric oxide production in an elevated level. Um, and it's also involved in the pain relief pathway. So it's not the only mechanism that's involved here, but a lot of our, especially if you train in and recover in Chimera, our users will report, you know, either complete or drastically reduced DOMS, which, you know, regardless of whether you're used to it just because you've been, you know, competing at a high level and pushing your body for years, or whether you're a, a new a new runner who's you know, really suffering as you're building up to doing a 5K because your body's not been through that sort of thing for a while, then removing that inhibition that comes from the DOMS can be really impactful yeah. in terms of getting you back out there and, and doing things again. Um and then on the other side of things, there's the actual kind of within the cell effect. So that comes back to my academic background when I was looking to making cells grow and repair quicker. Um, and all of that basically sort of adds up to different systematic benefits. So on the performance side, uh, if you're like a sprinter or a power athlete, you're basically going to see a very, you might see a slight improvement in sort of absolute power, but that largely comes from uh, phosphate loading, which is one of the effects that comes from, that's uh, one of the cellular effects is the more ATP, so the chemical unit of energy within our cells is increased. But after, for example, if you were like me, a 200 sprint, meter sprinter, after one or two reps, you, you're back down at normal levels of ATP. So we know it's not that that's causing the improvement. What's happening is that your body is recovering quicker if you're wearing it during exercise in the rest phases and then every time you then go back out for a rep, you're, you're less fatigued. So you end up actually putting in slightly more work every session. So then every day, week, month, year, the work that you've put in, provided you're pushing yourself, is elevated. Cumulative effect. Sorry? A cumulative effect, effect yeah. yeah. Um, on the endurance side, and you know, it, some people might say it's a bit unfair that these guys get to sort of benefit straight away, but it's largely just because they're exposed to it during exercise for longer. Um, but, you know, we've had half marathon marathon runners who have gone out and they've come back and they're like, I've just set a 12-minute PP. And we're like, great, go out the next day and do it again. I've maintained that, right, take the, take the leggings or the shorts off. I'm back down like nine minutes slower. Okay, put them back on. I'm back up faster again. 
and that's largely because of um, the main one on the endurance side that we believe is taking effect was it's an accumulation. So you've got the, the increased circulation, delivering more fuel and removing waste products quicker. There's an increase in tissue oxygen levels, which I haven't mentioned yet. So compared to a standard compression garment, wearing Chimera kit can increase your tissue oxygen levels by 20%, which means that when your body needs that fuel, it's kind of there and it's in reserve. Um, and then the respiration efficiency is improved. So actually the body um, respires, which isn't just breathing, it's the conversion of uh, glucose into energy and in, into ATP. It does that process more efficiently, again, making everything extend. So you're, the reserves you leave with, let's say you're using a half marathon example, they're better used. So the performance curve is sort of, you, you may increase and then get up to sort of your peak performance slightly quicker, but the main thing is that that performance curve is going to be extended and the fatigue towards the end of the session is reduced. So you're covering, if you're running a set distance, you're covering that distance quicker. If you're running for a set time, you're going to be covering more ground in that set time. So again, same as the sprinters and power athletes, ultimately that means that you're putting more work into each session and then using it as the recovery aid, your body's returning to an optimal state quicker, which means that you can go back out and let's say you're doing two a days. If normally your first session would be at 80% maximum capacity and then because you're fatigued, you can only put 60 in for the second for argument's sake. Now you can do both sessions at 80%. Nice. And that's you know that that's as that cumulative effect is a really big thing, um, and the final thing is keeping an athlete safe. As a, an athlete that was broken myself, I'm not in the business of breaking an athlete quicker. What's the point in helping you achieve your goals if you're just going to burn out and break quicker? So you know we've been we've seen data sets with international rugby teams, for example, where we've seen an 80% reduction in soft tissue injuries over sort of a two and a half year period. And when we first started getting those results, I was like, ah, oh, well, you know, it's it's a contact sport. We can't rule out enough variables to say that that's because of us. It could just be they're not being hit as hard. But over a two-year period, that's enough time for all of those things to start to normalize. And we're still maintaining those results. Uh, flexibility is improved. So you know, muscle flexion is, is, I think, on average, we see about a 33% improvement in, in flexibility. Um, and these are all objective things that we can assess and measure. And they're indicative of you know, overall performance and the rate that the athletes are improving and uh, recovering quicker. That was one thing I probably felt because obviously you have the heat. It gave you um, the garment gave you a lot more freedom to move because your circulation was a lot higher. So your muscles didn't obviously didn't end up feeling tight. So yeah, it's I think it's a great tool to recover with. Um, these are for me the way forward, and and that's why. I really, yeah, I really advocate what Chimera are doing. Um, you've also got a few other things you're gonna, you're, you're doing in in the future, right? And I think we're gonna get back, get you back for another podcast to talk about these things. So give us a little touch, just just a little taste, <laughs> a little taste. So for the podcast number two. Sure. So we've with, with the infrared stuff, we've been working on kind of improving careers and improving lives on the medical side. Um, we started back in 2016 working on saving lives. So we've been developing methods to embed electronics into fabrics. And we've been doing that so that we at first could create a garment that would diagnose a heart attack two days before it happened. And then since then, we've also been building in, for example, motion monitoring technology so that we can give, for example, a coach like yourself, 
the ability to get all of that biometric data from ECG, heart rate, heart rate variability, through to um, you know, uh, blood pressure, etc., but then build in what is as accurate, if not more accurate, um, than a, a really state-of-the-art motion capture rig, which typically someone would be in a fixed, like maybe five by five meter space. Now we can do that. So you can be sat in London, someone can be sat in the U or running in the US, and with half a second delay, for example, as the data tran transfers for, between continents, you're seeing their real-time joint flexion, their um, limb rotation, and from that you can do both injury preventative techniques. You can assess. You can assess their form. You can monitor their performance. You can say, you know, hey, uh, Jack, you know, you're, you're not pushing that hard today. What's up? You know, I, I can see from from your heart rate data and, and from the, the you know your, your dynamic acceleration that things just aren't going to, to plan. You know, let, let's have a chat and go through the psychology of this. You know, maybe this session gets adapted and we do something just to maintain rather than to build. Um, and what we're really trying to achieve with that is to equip and enable the athletes and the coaches to be able to see the things that sometimes, you know, some people are very attuned to their body, but a lot of, a lot of us aren't. And from having the broad sense of data, you can like contextualize it and you can actually paint a picture rather than just throwing a dart at the board and saying, oh, this is what I think is going to be happening. So I can be looking at people moving in the direction they move in and give them little cues while I'm sitting in London and they may be going running on, on a beach in Barbados. And I'm trying Absolutely. to go global. So Tim, you're helping me with this. We're doing <laughs> we're doing this. This is good. Um, I think the goal is for you to be on a beach in Barbados and someone running in London. <laughs> Let's switch it up. I like that, Tim. I like that. <laughs> Tim, it's been a pleasure. Amazing. Likewise. So guys, listening at home. I have advocated recovery and I've discussed, you know, sleep, nutrition, all those things. But now um, this facet of your recovery, having these uh, recovery garments, these compression infrared garments, for me, I feel is that next step. If you're if you're training harder, pushing harder, um, you know, Tim's talked about the physiology, physiology and go check out Chimera and I have their leggings and I'm really happy with them and I use them constantly. Can I ask you just one quick question before we wrap up? Actually, you mentioned sure. sleep. Have you tried sleeping in your leggings? I actually have. Yeah. So I read a, a couple of garments, a, a couple of papers on. Um, so I do. I've had an. I've had a nap, but I haven't slept overnight in them. Um, okay. But yeah, we go on. A, talk to a, us about a that. A really interesting data set that came out of uh, University of Texas's athletics department, and they were just using the leggings. And they weren't wearing them post-exercise, they were just sleeping. And when I heard about this, I was a bit nervous, thinking, well, you know, post-exercise is a really key time to be wearing them, but okay. Um, and as, as well as the standard recovery and pain relief metrics, we see their sleep improvement, I think, was 15.8% versus average. Nice. Which was sort of, a, they saw huge improvements in getting that deep sleep, which is obviously important for that muscle regeneration. Um, so you can do some quite interesting stuff, longer-term recovery, as well as just the post-exercise. Yeah, that good quality REM sleep. Love it. So I'm sleeping in my my leggings tonight, I think. Um, Tim, we're going to come back, talk about the the deeper scientific, kind of new age scientific crazy stuff that um, you're going to be bringing in the future. Um, in the meantime, you don't know this, but everybody on my podcast, they, they leave the podcast with a track, a little 10 second snippet of a song, your choice. So what's your track of the week? What's my track of the week? Uh, I think for me, 
it, it, it was always the one that got me through training, and it was um, uh, Fort Minor. And uh, I wouldn't say pain is the name, but the name's the, the, the word has gone from my head now. <laughs> I've, I've put it on the spot. I no worries. Put it on you, you, I'm supposed to be singing this for you. No, no. Well, I'll play a 10 second snippet. You can message me the track, and I'll play a 10 second snippet to finish off this uh, this podcast. And um, I think we'll be back in a couple of weeks. I think we'll um, come in and kind of meet again and, and chop up uh, and, and go into more detail with the um, the garments that look at your, uh, assess your movement and, and that in slightly more detail. So I'm excited to, to get this going. Um, Tim? Absolutely. So I, I just double check while we're chatting. It's yeah. uh, Fort Mahoma, remember the name. Remember and, the name. Uh, that, was, that was always on before any competition for me. Fort Minor, remember the name. Okay, cool. We're going to play a 10-second snippet of that. Uh, This has been the Running Lifestyle Culture Podcast. I'm going to play a 10-second snippet of Tim's track. Tim, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, having me, Manny. Appreciate it. Tim's track of the week, Fort Minor, remember the name. Let's go. should go listen to that track myself big up tim thanks for the camera leggings go check out their stuff i don't actually use a lot for recovery but chimera leggings that's what i use so i want to wish you all a merry christmas and i hope you're having a good one with your family coach manny out peace